people guard their identity when using the internet. One of the worst things that can happen to a netizen is the sudden loss of their anonymity. Why is this sudden loss of anonymity so heinous? What factors contribute to its severity? Is it really what happens that people are afraid of? Or the social climate in which it happens? Doxing this week. Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David. Um, so I had a con- an interesting conversation this week that I kind of want to rehash with you uh, okay. here. So the conversation was around a doxing incident. Okay. Um, and I understand doxing to mean when someone's internet persona or identity who operates under a, a false identity on the internet or I don't know. A pseudonym. A pseudonym, yes. And it doesn't have to be on the internet, but nowadays that's typically what people mean when they refer to doxing. Um, when their real identity is made public mm-hmm. um, or widely and Associated available. with their pseudonym, yeah. Exactly. Publicly associated with it, yeah. Exactly. Um, and in the particular incident we were arguing about, uh, me and this other individual, the person had already like left breadcrumbs that I would consider to be public. Like for example, they, they, for example, had posted on their pseudonym a long time ago, private information, or like they, they had had their private information on the profile of their pseudonym a long time ago and then removed it. And then it had kind of gone into obscurity. Right. Um, so it wasn't so much that this person, like it wasn't so much that someone had gone and like spied to find this information. They just looked it up and then found it in an archive somewhere. And, yeah. And then presented their evidence to the public for everyone to see. Um, is that doxing or not? I don't know if that's a doxing. Um, like, cause I, I would like, if you, if you type in your private information and associate it with a name, then you have no expectation that that name is private anymore. Or, or at least you shouldn't expect that name to be private anymore. You, if you want to be private, you should create a new pseudonym. Right. Um, because, yeah, you self-doxed if you did that. Right. I, I would tend to agree with you as far as that being the technical definition of doxing. That that person self-doxed themselves, right? Um, however, I feel like the word gets used when someone... Anytime someone who is attempting to operate anonymously, like there's like this violation of the spirit of the thing, right? Where mm-hmm. even if I didn't do a good job of it, when I'm operating as my internet persona, it's not me, right? Like there's this idea that if I'm using like like a, a good and a, a softer example would be if I had a personal Twitter account that was linked to my identity in public, obviously, and then I make a new twitter account with a fake name and then i'm posting is that anything that i do say under the fake name is somehow disassociated from me in private life Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the growing assumption is that we're not mad because well there's two things we're mad because you spoiled that other person's anonymity by trying to make it about them you try to make it personal. And then the second thing that I think is kind of faux pas about it with doxing is usually the motivation for doing this. Yes. Gener- yeah. Doxing has a negative connotation. The word has a negative connotation because usually the reason why 
well, okay, the reason why this first became a even a term that people cared about um, was because people realized, oh, well, if I know someone's actual identity and they cross me, then I can go interfere in their real life. Um, so you end up with cases where, you know, if someone says something that offends somebody else, then someone in their posse might, uh, well, okay, figurative posse, um, might call that person's boss and tell them what they said and try to get them fired for it or something like that. Or, or otherwise, you know, e either interfere with their life and either defame them or tell the truth about what they said, but, you know, maybe take things out of context or whatever. Or maybe it's maybe it's legitimate, but regardless, the motivation is to mess with their life in a way that people normally don't expect is possible when you're behind a screen. Right. Um, and I think that's where my part where, where my stance in the argument starts to grade up against the understanding in the public because I took the position that even if this was doxing it's okay the person who doxed them did not do a bad thing by exposing them publicly mm -hmm. um before I continue into that now that I've uh, you know baited the hook a little bit um i'm gonna read a little bit about what doxing is just so that we can have a third source for okay cross-referencing here uh, and this is from yield wikipedia um uh, according to the intro to this article it says doxing or doxing with two x's is the act of publicly revealing previously private personal information alliteration about an individual or organization usually through the internet Methods employed to acquire such information include searching publicly available databases and social media websites like Facebook, hacking, and social engineering. Doxing may be carried out for various reasons, including online shaming, extortion, and vigilante aid to law enforcement. It may also be associated with hacktivism. Um, and then as far as the etymology of the word, because I was just curious about that myself, it's just a neologism for the shortened word for documents docs mm -hmm. yes docs so yeah. the act of handing that person docs over to someone else is doxing doxing yes okay i'm glad that you know philosophers were done that's all i needed to get out <laughs> okay um so anyway back to my point so part of the reason i reached my conclusion initially that this was not a bad thing was one yes this person had already published their personal information online they self-doxed right so I did not feel like the person who found it did anything wrong. Like they did not violate that person's privacy or do right, they didn't trick anybody. Right. Um, they didn't dig into places that they weren't supposed to have access to. Sure. It yeah. wasn't even morally gray in my opinion. Like I, I think that there's some moral grayness around social engineering um, because there, I think there are ways that you can just convince someone to dox themselves, which that's kind of on the other person, but that's a whole other thing. Maybe we can go into later. But they, yeah, they didn't do any of that. They just took time and looked around the internet and found some documents and they just did the work of putting them together. Um, now, the reason I think is totally valid to debate. I think it's absolutely valid to, to call into question the motivation of the person who put these documents together. If they did it for malicious reasons, to say begin a hate campaign or to harass this person or to encourage harassment um, intentionally, then yeah, I think that's somewhat wrong, um, especially if that harassment bleeds into the real world. Um, and by real world, I mean not online. Um, 
But I would think that, A, this wasn't doxing in the first place. So to call it such is kind of false. But even then, you know, my interlocutor disagreed and said that, well, it's more about the fact that they made it so publicly available and made the effort to get the people behind it and essentially was arguing that you should never act in such a way to connect the dots because you're not addressing what the person is doing or has to say. You're just trying to slap their face on what they've done or said in their alternative persona, which is not what we should be doing, right? You should address the ideas of what's being espoused. You should be addressing the actions this person has made as their persona, not as their real person. That was like the stance that was hmm, taken. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, and, and yeah, it is interesting because it kind of, I think, creates this weird world in which, I mean, there's been a lot said in recent years about identity, for example. Yeah. Like, okay. I, as, as we have discussed multiple times in the show, a, I like privacy. And I want people to be able to have privacy. Um, but, and and I don't think, and I also believe in free speech, and I don't think people should be persecuted for opinions that they are willing to put forth into a discussion. Especially if they honestly hold if those opinions. If they're honest, yeah. Yes. And so, but also in that, in that, and privacy is a tool for protecting yourself from persecution. Yes. That's one of the reasons that it is good. But on the other hand, if you're being honest about it, then in principle, it shouldn't be a problem if your name is associated with it. Exactly. You know, why are, why would you, why would you say something that you're afraid that people would know that you said it? Right. If it wasn't, if it was honest. Right. And see, that's, I think, where... And the reason I took the stance that I did. I feel like the attitude that we currently have towards doxing is one that promotes a world in which it is okay to persecute people for their ideas. Because we treat this as an optional path to take where I can espouse ideas with no connection as to how sincerely I hold those ideas. Mm -hmm. I think that creates a lot of distortion in the common discourse about how people actually feel about things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's harmful. Um, I don't think the problem we have is with, I, I, I think when you really boil down to it, the problem, the, the doxing and the reason we would need to be doxing, you know, this type of, trying to speak through a censored lens. That's just a symptom of a different problem. It's not a problem, but it's a symptom and only made valuable by a different problem, which is the fact that people aren't comfortable enough to speak their honest opinions already. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, this prevents one of the more valuable tools for dealing with discourse, which is addressing the discourse directly um, with your interlocutor. Like, if they're anonymous, you can't... Like, you and I have always agreed with the sentiment that, you know, freedom of speech or whatever does not mean freedom from consequences. I agree. Yes. But to, to whom... Like, but what consequences? Right? Right. If you call someone a jerk and they 
decide and, and they assault you as a result of that. Like that, that's not a fair consequence. No. Like they're violating your rights by doing that. Exactly. If your government gets involved over something you said, that becomes a problem. Well, yes, that's even worse. That's yeah. even worse. But I am okay with social consequences. I am okay with people. Right. If you call somebody a jerk and they don't invite you to their house anymore, that's your fault. Yeah, you're not being persecuted for that. Right. They just don't want to be around you anymore. Exactly. And and you should have the freedom to espouse an idea, but other people also have the freedom to not associate with that idea. Exactly. Or disagree with you or tell you you're dumb, which I would hate I hate to say that now that I would think it would be obvious, but it is their opinion of what you said that that is dumb which they are free to express exactly it's it's not <laughs> or else you're a hypocrite yeah <laughs> exactly um and even better if you espouse something that's trying to attempt to be factual that's not an opinion people should have the right and ability to debate the factuality of what you said uh-huh. and prevent present evidence against it and it's a lot easier to do that sometimes when you know who is saying it you you can more you can more appropriately acquire context as to what's being said and understand what's being said when you look at who is saying it. Now, and don't get me wrong. I, I do agree with the, I, the, the sentiment that we should argue against, we should argue ideas, not people. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. But you also, I, I don't think it's, I think that you can't separate the people from the idea sometimes. Like you have to look at who's espousing the idea to at least begin to have the dialogue. I'm not saying that, that their identity... I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I, what I mean, though, is that you can still address the idea on its own merits, but when in order to have an effective dialogue with the person, you need to understand a little bit more about the person, not just the idea. Like what? Where's the situation where that matters? Um, a good, I think a good situation where that matters is when you're talking about lived experiences as being used as evidence. How can you know if that person selectively sele- selectively chooses experiences they've had when the facts of reality around their current situation may not be accurate to that? Mm. But they choose not to allow things into the discussion that they know would hurt their point of view in the argument. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a reason that I don't take reports of personal experience seriously a lot of the time. Which is fair, but I think the reason we we don't because is... people do cherry pick those experiences. They'll cherry pick the ones that reinforce their beliefs and omit the ones that contradict them. Sure, but at the same time, those happen to be some of the most seemingly powerful associations with an argument. To especially the third party, who's if there is one observing the discussion. I, don't know. I think I think if well, if you want to do it for a third party, well, and even if it's just a one-on-one thing, like like something. Mm, this this phrasing that I'm about to use might be a little too aggressive for SE, but it's also the kind of thing that that you're going for in SE. Get to the point of not don't explain to me your lived experience why you believe this because I don't know what biases are affecting that. But why should I believe you? Would I, acting as a reasonable person, like? If I told you the same thing, is that a good enough reason for you to believe me? Yeah. That's the thing. And, that, and I think that's something important to say in front of an audience as well. If someone is saying, well, you know, I, I had these experiences and so I believe such and so. I'm like, okay, why should any of us believe you? 
of course, that's very accusatory language, that exact phrasing. So I might sure. try to soften that somehow, um, depending on the context. But yeah, that's that's the question you have to ask. It's like, okay, but like it's it's not it's not evidence. So a good example I think I could also pull in is when the your interlocutor is appealing to the others and they're surrounding the conversation by commonalities of lived experiences that they and the other people in the audience have had that you don't. A good example would be, say, for, you know, I hear this a lot, especially when I'm discussing things with folks who have had military service. If there's anyone else in the room with military service, they can fall back to a story which may be cherry-picked. And in some cases, I know for a fact it's Mm -hmm. cherry-picked. But because someone else has a similar lived experience, they're garnering support based on the lived experience, not on what the factual inevitability is. So, but if I was precluded from including other aspects of their experience, but they're not cherry picking, but I can bring them up and ask them, is this true? You know, and and if I know who the person is and I've heard, you know, and I've seen evidence of that, I can bring that up in a way to combat cherry picked lived experiences. And you can't always do that. I understand. And, And I'm not saying that this is the primary reason, but I do think it's somewhat valuable to, to look at that, especially as our society seems to argue so much around how your identity plays into your worldview and perspective. We have to be able, I think, to not take these identities and use them as the sore, as, as like the sole source of lived experience on stereotype. Yeah. I think, I think for me, the biggest reason why I would care to know somebody's identity during a discussion is just to know, is to have a better idea of whether they're just having a laugh um like i don't know if troll is the word that i want to use but troll adjacent things uh, people will like to almost yeah will will be dishonest online in order to you know try to push some sort of agenda um you know and and so then and they can hide behind the mask of their pseudonym to not have to honestly engage with or like own up to what they're saying. And, and, you know, if it's later called out to not be true, it's like, well, you can't go track that person down and say, Hey, you know, I found something that contradicts your, your claim here. It's like that person's gone now. Sure. And they are probably saying something else to somebody else now. Right. Well, and I mean, how do you take the story of the boy who cried wolf and apply it in the modern internet? when the village is the world and not everyone comes out to see the wolf every time, you know, Mm -hmm. you can kind of just do that in perpetuity as long as you don't garner a reputation as the person who cries wolf a lot. Yeah. Which you would have to be able to tack it to their identity to do. Right. You know? Um, So I, I, I so yes, having, having your words attached to your identity makes you be more honest. Yes. Because you wouldn't risk the consequences for something you don't actually think is true. Right. Or you would change your argumentation if you weren't certain as to the truthfulness of the claim you're about mm-hmm. to make. You you would say something along the lines more of, well, I mean, I what do you think about this that I've heard from someone else? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't personally validated it as true or not, but I'm inclined to yeah, You would it. disclaim what you're sure about to say yeah which is i think a lot more valuable because we can actually talk about what we're really wanting to talk about not whether or not you believe it's true or not but the truthfulness of the claim itself you know um whereas if it's online 
and you're anonymous, you can just adopt the belief and then espouse it. And then if someone takes down that belief, it's not a discussion. Okay, well, I can just point. toss this identity away. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go argue with someone else who maybe doesn't have the same evidence. And I'm going to make them do that work knowing that they probably won't because they're probably also anonymous doing something different. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. Going back to what you said, I, I agree that knowing someone's identity does not always should not matter when it comes to debating the ideas that they are espousing. But I think practically speaking in the interaction, it it can help clean up. It can help encourage, I think, more appropriate behavior that we would expect if we were to have the same debate in person. Maybe. But in other ways, it can degrade the quality of discussions as well by allowing in interpersonal biases. Like someone might have a bias about you because of certain demographics you fall into. And then knowing those about you might cause them to be less honest in the discussion. How so? What do you mean? Give me an example. Uh... Let's see. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone is talking about some sort of political thing. And if they know that you are someone who has identified as a libertarian, let's say, then they'll just write off what you have to say because of this, you know, th- their idea of what that means. So they'll let, they'll let their biases cloud their willingness or not, not cloud, but inhibit their willingness to hear out your opinion because, well, you're just one of them. I mean... I do agree with that, but I do think that the more often than not, the people you see who LARP online as a false identity, mm-hmm. they lean their false identity even harder into their belief base than they do personally. You know, I don't walk around with the anarchy ball tattooed on my forehead, but I might have a profile that has that as its profile picture that's anonymous. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, but I don't know how practically that happens i don't know anybody who comes out and says well i'm just politically neutral online i'm not in real life but i'm 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 covertly politically neutral um and so i do that so that i can have better conversations with people um i I think it's more often the case that's the opposite where you might be a lot more centrally leaning but you love to hold ideas that you know you can't also debate this particular example is one that could also be done uh in person but i feel like the the effect may be greater over the internet um i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna remember the the specifics of the conversation but i am friends with a trans person online Mm -hmm. who whose opinions generally do not align with those that you would assume of a trans person based on that demographic fair enough and so she will often get into discussions with people who uh, who disagree with her and will make assumptions about her based on her opinions. And then there is a, there is a very powerful effect of revealing, well, actually I'm in this demographic. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that's absolutely, a, you know, that absolutely does happen. Um, yeah, I can see that this being, or like I've seen this with, with black people as well. Like on the internet, you can't tell what color somebody is. Usually, unless their identity is associated, or sure. yeah, if they reveal their, uh, if they reveal that about themselves, but mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you can't fairly make an assumption about what somebody looks like if all you can see is a screen name. 
So right. I, I've seen that as well, where someone will say, well, you know, you, you only hold that opinion because you don't know what it's like to grow up poor and black. And it's like, well, actually, I am black and I grew up poor. So, right. <laughs> but I mean, don't you think that the stereotypes that exist for that reason are because the only people who be who hold those views are the ones who maybe don't go around and act anonymously? I don't know. I mean, I think that's the problem. That's the nature of this problem is that it's kind of a, it's. It's a self-feedback problem. It feeds the stereotype, yeah. Yeah. The stereotype exists, so the power in revealing the opposite of the stereotype only exists because the stereotype exists, and the stereotype exists because those who feed into the stereotypes are the only ones willing to be honest. I'm not saying that entirely. I'm sure that there are definitely people who operate online as themselves without an alternative persona. Well, there are people who operate as themselves in person and do this, but yeah. Sure, but that, that's... You have less reach in person than you typically might online. Yeah. Or it's different. The footprint is definitely different. Um, so I guess the point I'm trying to get at is, you know, I, I, I wanted to think through what would it be like if we, as a society, took it as a, as a standard. I would never want this to be enforced, right? I don't want to be issued a login. I don't want to be, you have to put your kid's gamer tag on their uh, birth certificate or their Twitter <laughs> handle on their birth certificate. You know, I don't want that whole thing to happen or, or that you have to provide your social security number whenever you want to log into a website. Oh geez. Yeah. I don't want that necessarily, but that's not so much because I'm not wanting to people to know it's me online. It's because I don't want a database to easily be able to, put that information together right. and I would love to have the option to be anonymous. I think, I think having privacy, I'm not saying we should get rid of privacy. I'm not saying we should, we should get rid of anonymity either. I'm just saying that I think too much happens in that space and that space should be reserved for when things are bad. And we should address the problem of why do people feel the need to be anonymous Right. Yeah. The fact that people want to be anonymous is indicative of other issues. Exactly. Um, yeah. Why are you afraid for people to know your identity? It's because you think that people are going to try to hurt you if they know who you are. Right. And that's a problem. And so why do they want to hurt you? Something is wrong if well, people want to hurt you. And, and and this is another thing that well, I think this, I don't have a whole lot of evidence for it yet. And it's not well thought out. But I think a part of the reason people feel like they need to be anonymous online is because they feel like they're in the minority of yeah. an opinion. Yes. When in fact, that may not be the case. Yep. Because we've seen it, especially on the internet, where there's segregated spaces where, well, and we even call them as such, you know, the Twitter sphere. You might be a minority on Twitter, but you're not on Facebook. You know, like right. everyone kind of acknowledges that Facebook tends to be a more conservative platform because older people use it. And there's a correlation between your being age. Older and being more conservative. Yeah. Right. So I can take an opinion posted on Facebook and also Facebook operates differently. Facebook at least initially operated on the premise that you should be friends with people, you know, in real life and mm -hmm. you should be yourself on Facebook. That's the whole point. Yes, Facebook, that was the point. And there were like rules against having false personas on initially on Facebook, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't know where that still stands. Whereas but. no such thing on Twitter. Twitter is all about, I mean, I, I don't like Twitter at all. I haven't since its inception. I think the idea of say what you need to say in 144 characters, which I think has been upped since then. I don't know. I don't use it, but, and it, it has no, like that's not how people interact with each other in real life. Yeah. 
The microblog is a weird format. Yes, I think it's a very unnatural format. Right. Um, yeah, just have a blog. Right, and I think it's harmful to discourse because a you're limit, I mean, and we see people do twit longers anyway. Here's a seven-part tweet about ideas that I have that I have to segment because of a limitation of the platform, which, I mean, I would be curious to know, did Twitter limit what it had to say because of, like, some hardware limitation? Like, was there a like, implementation problem that they decided Certainly to display? Not. Or, like, like, what was the goal here? You know? No, I, I think it was intentionally to make you keep your thoughts short and sweet. But, yeah, I think, like, there is a there could be a place for a microblog. It's not for me. But I, I could see, I can sort of see the appeal in something like that. I think the problem is that people have just grossly misappropriated it. Yeah. When you want to actually have a, to- a discussion about a serious topic, a microblog platform is not the place for that. No. I feel Go like the- anywhere else. Yeah. And I feel like also the way Twitter is structured, it's more about the topic. It's all about the hashtag. Yeah. What are people talking about? Not so much what are they saying. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think when you look at the Twitter homepage, it's here are the top 10 things trending in your region. It's not the top 10 people, not the top 10. Yeah. It's always been about the hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what's being discussed, not, you know, what people have to say about it. So you granted that, that this ends up happening anyway. Like there are hashtags that really succinctly boil down a message you know like f this person mm-hmm. as a hashtag pretty much succinctly boils down the point and, and you see these weird things occur where you see two competing hashtags where one is f this person as one is this person did nothing wrong yeah and it's who can tweet this more as almost like it's trying to gauge the public's feeling about yeah. it even though you have no clue what's being said like you, you go have the conversation somewhere else, and then you come to Twitter to almost vote. Right. I might opinion. say, hashtag so-and-so did nothing wrong is the stupidest hashtag I've ever seen. Yeah. And that contributes toward that thing's points. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you'll even get people... Like, I remember before I got off of Twitter, which was, has been years now, but I used to do stuff like that with, I don't get what's the deal with this hashtag. And they're like, don't hashtag it because... You're inflating the stats. Yeah. You're giving it points in the social game, you know, like... I'm like, well, that's, but it's not about points. I'm like, oh, but it is like, because if people think that enough people believe that it becomes true almost is like the attitude or like, oh, well, that's the public perception of that thing. That's going to find its way into an analytics report in the hands of some company somewhere. And they're going to make decisions based on that, which at the time may not have been true, but it's definitely true today. I mean, I think that definitely explains why you yeah, see that's kind of a problem. We should burn Twitter to the ground, honestly. So really, or, well, <laughs> I think it's going to be something that happens in, inevitably anyway, but that's, but that happens, I think in large part, because I know multiple people that have multiple accounts on Twitter for the multiple modes that they want to operate in that mm-hmm. day. Um, which is weird to me. Cause it's almost like that's borderlining on if they were to do that in real life, we would call that a mental disorder. Yeah. But when you do it online, it's fine. You know, yep. Which, don't be wrong, I mean, I grew up on the Wild West parts of the internet back in Web 2.0 and stuff. Like, I remember what the Wild West days of the internet were like when you were all anonymous. Your identity, you were encouraged not to put your identity on the internet. Mm -hmm. When I was in school learning how to use the internet, because I learned that in school, because no one knew how to internet at that point in time, so we had to build curriculum. part of the education, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which now we don't even have because... Everyone knows how to use this, yeah. Yeah, you've been using Twitter before you started kindergarten. You know, probably not that extreme, but like, you know what I mean? You, you've been, you've definitely interacted with the internet before you've even come to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I, I personally feel like it would be better. I, I think, and let's look at another thing that's occurring. You know, there is an, a record high distrust in quote official sources being the government, which happy with that. The mainstream media, whatever that means, but that mean I guess if you're syndicated on television, then you're mainstream these days. But like, people don't trust what they hear anymore mm-hmm. from most people. But they have like a handful of good sources they do happen to trust, or not so good, or, or not so good <laughs> sources, exactly. But regardless, ones that they trust, right? Well, and and apparently it's become such a big problem that you know there is a growing idea that we need to try to f- battle misinformation. Which I agree. Yes, that is a noble goal. But I might to... disagree with your methods of battling this disinformation. Right. Turns out censoring misinformation is what gives it a lot of its power, by the way. Um, yes. Why do you want to censor this thing? You obviously don't want me to hear it. So I'm going to go hear it now. <laughs> yeah, because you're just trying to keep me out, man. <laughs> like, you know. But, yeah, what are you trying to hide from me now? Yeah. That's the thing. People are curious. Mm-hmm. And people who otherwise may not have even cared about the thing, now that you are going out of your way to hide it, they will go out of their way to find it. Right. Yeah, it's... And they'll hate you for trying to hide it from them. Right. Because you think that you know what's best for them. Well, and not only that, but people then feel the need to only consume that under an identity that, well, if you don't know who I am... Because mm-hmm. I think that's another thing people have started to catch on to. It's not so much censoring it from the source, hiding it in the pipeline from you. We're not going to tell the person who's making this content that it's being censored. No, no, no. We're going to try to avert the eyes of the potential viewer or the listener, Mm -hmm. the ears of the potential listener. But that can only really be effectively done when you know who people are. If you don't know who people are, it gets harder, you know? Yeah. Um, So, I guess back to the main thread. I... We human beings are going to have to deal with this. We we cannot, I think, continue to distrust each other this much. In this way, at least. Um, I think this is a problem that has come about because of our, quote, connectedness via technology. This was not a problem we had before the internet because I, ideas traveled as fast as people did. Or in the case of the carrier pigeon or horses, you know, like... Yeah. Before the wire, that's how ideas spread with people. Um, but now they can circumnavigate the globe in under a second, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would think that I would be much more comfortable battling the reasons why people are worried about being doxing than worried about trying to stop doxing. Yeah. And we should not fear being doxed. And a part of me feels like the best way to yoink that rug out is to rip the Band-Aid and just accept it as something that happens. Because the other thing that doxing does is doxing is targeted, typically. Yes. It almost always has to be. Not always, but it usually has to be. Like some event might occur, which allows information about a bunch of people to be released, but someone has to go put forth the effort to tie it Expose all Expose somebody, yeah. Right. Um, and so this puts an unequal balance of power into those who, A, have access to this information, 
and B, have the time and know-how to assemble it. And then, I guess, C or D, whichever one I'm on, spread it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can dox anyone I want, probably, if I gave it enough time and effort. Like, I believe in myself as, as an avid internet user that if someone has, and it's more likely that someone else, have, it's more likely than not that you, dear listener, have self-doxed yourself at some point, whether you realize it or not. Yep. Because it's very, very hard to stay anonymous. All it takes is once to mess it up, and then that whole identity is destroyed and useless, as far as anonymity is concerned, once someone puts it all together. And what's even more terrifying about that to me is that you probably don't remember when you did it. and But you're still recording things and leaving records under that name that can then later be tied back to your identity. Because of something you did a long time ago, like the case that I discussed in the initial example. This person did not know that they were they had self-doxed years ago. So they kept acting as though they were anonymous. And then those beha- those behaviors were then rolled up into the current day now that you've made this association and applied all at once. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think makes doxing also so powerful is that you can take ideas from years ago, things that were said and done, and pictures that were yeah, taken. I, mean, that, I guess, yeah, that's another, another thing is that I think this is the fact that people will go dig up somebody's past and, and expose them for something like that about something they may not even believe anymore or something like that. I think that's where ideas come about that I don't necessarily like this idea either, but I understand where people are coming from or people who are, will propose like the right to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, that happened decades ago. Leave me alone about it. Yeah, I've moved on. I've changed my mind about that. And, and here's the thing. If you could say that once, it's fine. Like, I would be okay if I could go and, all right, bring up my history. Let's just go through it. I'll apologize for the things that I really did that were wrong and still believe today that I now need to acknowledge they're wrong. I will tell you what things I no longer believe. And in this interview, I will get it all straightened out. But the problem is, is, that's that not how that works. Nope, that only works for the people who just heard it. People are, you, you now have one apology against the thousands of posts of things that you said before that's trying to put a bow on it. And to you, in your head, threat ended. We're good. Yeah, you've cleared it. But you yeah. have, but people can drop into that threat at any point. Like, anyone who's ever looked on the internet for how to solve a problem, especially with something that changes rapidly, I'm going to, as a software developer, and you've probably done this too, how many times have you gone on a website saying, okay, what does this error message mean? And then had to look at the timestamp first of when it was posted before you even considered what was in the doc. Because, oh, this is on an old version. Don't care. Next. I, more than I once, normally don't look at the timestamp first, but I, I'll as soon as I see anything that's not familiar, I'm like, hmm, when was this posted? Yeah. <laughs> Exa- yeah, because we understand it. It's like, oh, and software changes all the time. Yes. And so, oh, this post from six months ago, it, it might be right, but it might not be. Also, what version am I even using? And I have to go get real specific real quick. But most people, I feel like, don't have to do that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they don't know whether it was posted five years ago or today. And in fact, a lot of the time, they'll look at the feel of the website to determine when this was posted. Like, oh, does this website... Because you can look? change CSS on an old website. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if it looks like an old blog, then yeah, it's probably bad info. Oh, but it has a clean UI. This was probably posted yesterday. You know, like... Yeah, we don't normally think about about when something happened cancel css we need to get rid of css so we can't do this anymore next week's topic um (laughs) but yeah i think that's also a problem you know canceling if you will 
has its power in the fact that it, it's selective. We don't cancel everyone. It's you. It's me. It's whomever. Um, and it to me, this resonates with this as another problem I have with big companies owning your data. I don't have a problem that Google knows something that I told Google. The problem I have is when only Google has that information, even though I would tell it to anybody, but because no one else is listening at the moment, or Google claims to own that information and then has the right to turn around and sell it, that's when I have a problem. Yes. I'm much more comfortable... I am much more comfortable if everybody knows something than if only a certain few people know something. Like, we should be terrified of secrecy of our public facts, as weird as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, for example, most people are terrified when you explain to them exactly how much of their life that phone records in their pocket. Yep. And what's even more terrifying is that that one evil entity has all of it. And that they can... They can, cons- you know, plot and conspire against you, and you feel almost helpless because you—it's a faceless company. You don't know who those people are, and you know that. Well, if the CEO of that company has his data, he owns his data. He runs the company. He can yeah. make his data go away, but you can't make your data go away. Yeah, people hate that. But if there was a handful of big companies, or just any company, had this information, and including people that weren't the CEO of that company have his information, we feel a lot better because at least there's some mutually assured destruction out there for us to feel good about. You know, if you're going to come after me because you have the information about my life that would enable you to attack me in such a way that I would have a hard time defending against, at least I know the same thing can happen to you. You know, we feel a little bit better about that. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as terrible as a strategy as mutually assured destruction is, there is some solace in it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel like doxing, goes along right with it. You know, it's, I would hate to, and it's also a race who to cancel first. Cause you know, we have this idea in our heads that, Oh, well I, if, if I reveal who your identity is first, everyone's going to spend way more time consuming your new identity and trying to backwards apply it to everything that you did. So that if mine comes out afterwards, it gets put on the back burner and something more important will come along before they're able to do it. You yep. know? But if that information was always there, if I'm always been public, Everyone knows who I am, always. I just face it up front, you know. And I'm considering behaving in such a way. I'm considering ceasing anonymity on the internet for majority of the things that I do and say and believe hmm. because I don't care anymore. Like, it, I, I don't believe that most of the things I hold as ideals and principles are wrong. I don't. Why should I have to hide that fact? You know. Right. Um, and I would like to believe that I have the courage of my convictions to just be public about it. Sure. In the same way I would with anyone I would run into at a grocery store in a coffee shop. Which, to be fair, could easily just go put my identity with the idea that I espouse to them on the internet anyway. You know. Um... And I feel like there's a power to be well, you know, to be wielded in when I go into these online spaces as myself and I speak about an idea that I have. And when someone wants to counter my idea with something that I think is just BS or distractionary to be able to say, look, I'm speaking as me. And you're wrong. And you're wrong. It's not about I'm not hiding the fact that I believe this. Why are you hiding who you are about what you believe? 
Like, what is so wrong with your idea? Are you embarrassed? Yeah. Are you embarrassed? Like, I think there's some power to that in, in being able, and, and hear me out. And I'm even uncomfortable changing my mind in public as me because yeah. that's valuable. I think that's another thing we lose. You, I think, you know, a good example, say someone was a member of a certain racist group that everyone agrees is racist, whatever, or other bad quality. I'm going to use racism because that's one that I think most people... Pretty much hate. everyone hates that. Yeah. That's a safe... Yep. F those people. Um, yeah. So we're going to... And you, and you are part of that group and you, you operate anonymously under that group. It's real easy to go, oh, shoot, I don't want to do this anymore and delete that profile and create a new profile of, hi, this is my non-racist profile, and then live your life as that profile. Mm-hmm. But that old profile didn't get deleted all the way. Mm-hmm. By not fessing up to what you did at the time, and it's just like anything else. If, if I came to you, David, and said, David, I'm really sorry, um, but I accidentally broke your windshield with you know something that I did. That's a lot less bad than you walking outside and seeing a seeing broken a windshield, windshield yeah. and then having to find out who did it and then finding out it was me. Like, and, and that's unavoidable. I think, yeah. th- you know, because then the question always is, why didn't why you, didn't tell, you me? tell me? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it would have been so much better if you would have just told me and I could have owned up to it, fessed up, apologized, paid for it and be done with it. Then it moves into the past and we can continue having a positive friendship and relationship. But if I hide it now, it's that trust is broken. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't expect us to go into the future with everyone trusting everybody. I think that's just no, absolutely naive. Not. But there does need to be some base level of trust in, I know what you're saying, it, you're, you're confident enough in it. I can trust that you're confident enough in what you say because you put your face on it. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I, I, I at least believe you. I don't have to think about, are you trolling? Are you just saying this to get a rise out of me? Are you wasting my time? Are you wasting everyone else's time? Or at least you? someone can accidentally or intentionally form an identity of, like, that's the guy who just trolls all the time. And guess what? That's fine. That's fine. You can be that person, but I don't care what you have to say. We have a profession <laughs> for that. It's called being a comedian to, to some. Sure, you can also do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I mean, when you look at a lot of what comedians are having to say about things these days, they, they do not transition into the online world very yeah, well at all. They're, they're up to the fire right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at least they're, at least, you know, they're being honest about what they have to say, or at least you shouldn't take into the context, the fact that that person is a comedian. And then, and that's what they keep saying. It's a joke. I right. tell jokes I for a I do this living. to make people in the audience laugh. Stop mm-hmm. taking it so seriously. Or even some have come out and just been really honest about the fact that, yeah, I say things that you hate because you click on it. That simple. I, I troll because you can't stand to not let it be unheard by your ears. And I get paid when you do. And they're as honest as day about it and people hate them even more and just keep watching. But at least at that point, I, I would absolve that person of what they're doing at that point. Right. You are no longer You involved. don't have to listen to me. So spin the dial. Yes. And listen to something else. Yes. But no. At the point in which they just are as blatant as day. I do this because you're mad. And then the person goes and listens to them again. That is the, that is the point in which I think there is no ambiguity about who yeah. is wronging who there. The person who's listening is wronging themselves. They are not being wronged by the person who said it. Because that person told them, hi, by the way, my my whole goal and intention, you know, like the playbook's out there. You're just an idiot for not reading it or understanding it. Like, 
or you're entitled to thinking that, well, I should be able to listen to whatever I want and it fit whatever I want it to mean or believe. Like, that's just raw entitlement that I think anyone could just, yeah. just see. It's like, I don't think, I, I, find me the person that believes that that's actually how things should be and we can have that discussion. I doubt that person actually exists. I bet I could find somebody. You probably could, but once they are, I, I just can't, that would be the easiest debate of the year. Is this one actually stood in front of me and hold, held that position honestly? I, I would have, the hardest part would be actually getting to the point where I believe that they actually believe that. But if they do, then, I mean, okay. Your opinion offends me. Go away. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Does anyone else in the room think that this person has a legit point of view? Do you? Does anyone else want to live like that? No? Okay. You need to now be aware that you are the outcast because of your choices and what you choose to believe. And that you... I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're too sensitive exactly. to exist in this world. Yeah. And I, I really am because that's hard to be that way. And I would love for you to not be so sensitive. And I would love to help you be that way. But you have to come meet me halfway on that one at least. You know? So... But yeah, that's that's my whole thing with it. Is I I feel like at this point, we, it's almost a poor strategy to continue to fight for anonymity instead of fighting what makes us feel like we need to be anonymous in the first place. I think yeah, I think I think the 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 bigger point to take out of this is that yeah, seeking anonymity is a symptom of a problem, at least one problem. Yes, and like another thing. That, that, you know, we've, we've been talking about, like, the social problems that give rise to this desire for anonymity. Um, but there are also practical problems as well. Like, take, for instance, in the United States, everybody has a special number that you're supposed to keep secret. Yeah. Your social security number, which for some reason is used as an identity, even though it wasn't ever meant to be, and it's very bad at doing it. And there's a good CGB Grey video. There's about an that. excellent CGB Grey video. <laughs> we got our CGB Grey quota in. All right. Uh, send the check, too. Um, <laughs> anyway. If only. If only. Um, so, like, the the fact the fact that you need to keep that number secret is stupid. Yeah. Um, and and so yes, there is people people desire to be anonymous at least with respect to that number. Like, I don't care if you know my name, but you you don't get to know my special number. Mm -hmm. Even though we know each other, and relative to most of the people I trust you. Um, I don't know your I'm, number. I'm still not giving you my number. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're not giving me yours, probably. Mm -mm. Even if I try to give you a really good reason why you should give it to me, like you're, no, oh, you're gonna think I'm up to something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the fact that this exists is stupid, and it's a problem that should be resolved so that we don't have to walk around with secret numbers that we try to keep from people that we care about. Like, why? That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I think it's a lot more feasible to spend egregious amounts of money building security systems to keep those numbers private. <laughs> that's that's how we do. Um, but no, the, yeah, same thing. It's, and don't get me wrong. You and I probably know people who have lived in areas in which your anonymity mental difference between your life or your death. That's a serious problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm, that's why I'm not taking the stance that all anonymity should be abolished. No, again, yes, I... Everyone should be able to be anonymous. Yes. For sure. Yeah. But it, but in an ideal world, nobody should want to be. Right. So we should use the desirability for anonymity as a bellwether to see yeah. how we're doing as a society. You know, that along I think that's even more poignant than how much do people trust their local news. 
how comfortable are people even saying what they actually believe under their name? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, I think that's what we, sh- we should be doing. And anonymity should be a tool reserved for the reserved for times and purposes in which you have to use it but it's it's a tool that comes with a cost and i think that cost is what needs to be acknowledged is that you by being an anonymous if you have to be anonymous you're oper- you're already operating from behind yeah and it's going to incur a further cost of well let's let's take a, one last example nelson mandela as a person Okay. In South Africa. Nelson Mandela could probably not have done what Nelson Mandela did for South Africa anonymously. You, At some point, it's the people who have the courage of their convictions, even in extreme circumstances where they go to jail or are threatened with death. You know, that's when change can be made to fix things. And if you don't need to use your anonymity to do that, don't because if you do you need to use your if you do feel like if if you don't have to but you do use your anonymity i think you will spiral into the place where then you have to have it and becomes a necessity and then you're even further behind i think it's a strategy that should just be used as a self-defense mechanism but you can't use anonymity the same way i would suppose on the grandeur offense not to be said that you can't do things anonymously that would be an offense against say like a totalitarian state I mean, absolutely. I think that hacktivism, a big part of it, does rely on your anonymity to be able to perform because then people don't think about who did it; they think more about what was done. Um, a good example, if if you know, we don't know who leaked a lot of information about certain things, like go on WikiLeaks. A lot of them don't have the names of who said it. Um, and it's really hard to tie someone like Julian Assange, for example, to it because he didn't discover that. He just posted it right, for other people. He just shared it, yeah. Right. But, I mean, there are tons of things on WikiLeaks that very few people know about. But a lot more people know who Edward Snowden is. Yeah. I think that's the point I just kind of want to get out uh, with that. So, yeah, I'm still considering it. I don't know. I'll probably think more about it and might update about it in the future. But <clears throat> I do not feel like I need to be anonymous then why do I behave that way? And am I going to make things worse by continuing to behave and act anonymously? Yep. Um, and maybe this is something you should think about. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. I'm just providing a perspective and hopefully it'll give you something to think about, you know? Um, and I wouldn't ever recommend it necessarily because it's A, it's not my place. B, I'm not even doing it yet, but I'll let you know how it goes if I decide to. So, um, but yeah, that's all I really have to say on the matter at this point. Um, all right philosophers philosophers if you like the music in this episode please check out jippy on bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com philosophers is supported by viewers like you if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below thank you for listening